Hi, Josh Sorrell here from Sandhill FWB Church in Sandusky, Ohio. The podcast that you're about to enjoy was given live before our congregation here at Sandhill, and we pray that this podcast will encourage and challenge your walk with Christ. For more sermons like this, as well as additional Christian content, visit our website at www.sandhillfwb.com or check out our social media pages on YouTube and Facebook, keyword Sandhill FWB Church. May God continue to richly bless your journey every step of the way. The Lord has really been dealing with me in a very powerful way. On, on just, I just feel like revealing to me things and opening my eyes on things. I, I was pondering, what, why is it, Lord, that you've been dealing with me on, on myself, on the church, on things so strongly? And it, and it dawned on me, I want you to think about this, it dawned on me, the, the five prayer groups, and I hope that everyone is still doing that. I hope that you are praying for whatever you said you would pray for. I hope we're taking that serious. I believe that is very serious. But some of you have told me, you are, I, I pray for you, Pastor. You're, you're in my prayers every day that God will help you. And, and I, I feel those prayers being answered. That being said, um, I believe the, the, the message this morning is very uh, important. I, I believe it is life-changing. I believe that it, will, it can do drastic things for you if I can keep you from uh, going away for me. So, so let's, uh, let's work together to uh, uh, focus on what God has for us this morning. So before I read the text, um, I want to ask this question. If you have a handout, you already see it. What is a good Christian? I'll be honest, I thought about that. I thought that is an amazing question. You say, Pastor, that is the simplest question you could ask. Why is that amazing? Here's the reason that's amazing. Because at Sandhill Church right now, I could go around this entire building, just start one and just go across there, and I could have you tell me what a good Christian is, and I'd probably get 35 different answers. Now, we've been in church long enough, and we've been saved long enough, I think we ought to figure out what it means to be a good Christian. And I, I don't think that there's 15 different ways to be a good Christian. I think there's one way to be a good Christian. But I think that we have all uh, come up with our, uh, our idea of what a good Christian is. I can ask this one, and they'll, they'll, they'll say, you got to do this and this and this. I ask the other, you got to do this and this and this. And everybody has their own opinion. And so, therefore, we have our opinion of what a bad Christian is. But what if our opinion's wrong? What if our opinion's wrong? And how many of you think it might matter what Jesus has to say? How many think that might just matter a little bit, okay? So we want to think about what a good Christian is. And uh, do you know that you can wear the right kind of clothes? You can come to church every service. You can tithe. You can read your Bible. You can pray and not be a good Christian. Does anybody, did I, do I need to say that again? Listen, listen, you, can do all, you can mark all the boxes, do all of the things, and still not be a good Christian. Does that wake anybody up this morning? Because those things don't make you a good Christian. They make you religious, but they don't make you a good Christian. And we need to find out how are we good to be good Christians. And so that is the question on the table. How, what is a good Christian? As we look at Romans uh, chapter 3, um, before we read it, Paul here uh, uh, seemingly is not worried about our self-esteem, nor making us feel good. <laughs> he, is, he is going to be very straightforward in what he has to say, but there's a reason that he's saying what he has to say. So let's stand and honor God's word, Romans chapter 3, 
And we're going to pick up with verse 13. Last time we read down to verse 12 and we ended up with, uh, there, is, uh, there is none righteous, no, not one, right? And so we pick up that thought and we jump into verse 13. <clears throat> we have a description here for the next several verses. <clears throat> their throat is an open sepulcher. With their tongue they have used deceit. The poison of asps is under their tongue, under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways, and the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now we know that what things soever the law saith, it saith to them who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin." But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifest, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the unrighteousness, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith in Jesus Christ unto all and upon all them that believe. For there is no difference, for all have sinned and come short. Of the glory of God. Let us pray. <clears throat> Father, how I thank you for your word. How I thank you for your people and allowing us to be together this morning. I pray you'd get me out of the way. Oh, Lord, let them not see me. I beg you, Lord, you'd speak to hearts. Lord, let us stay in, engaged. Father, may I hold their attention. Lord, may, you, may your Holy Spirit come down and grasp us. Lord, may we go away changed from the way we came in, I pray in Jesus' holy name. And amen. You can be seated. So Paul has been arguing here for, for almost three full chapters as we've been studying. And, and what is really the consensus of chapter 1, chapter 2, and chapter 3? Can I tell you what the consensus is? It is in verse 19, that the world may be guilty before God. Who, who is guilty before God? Everybody. Paul, Paul's concluded if you're religious, if you're not religious, if you're a Jew, if you're a Gentile, if you had a godly family, if you didn't have a godly family, if you're trying to do right, if you're not trying to do right, everybody is guilty under a God. And that is, the, that, is what we, that is what we are really missing in church and in the world is we don't realize how guilty we are. And so... He, he, again, he goes back in verse uh, 10 of last time that there is none righteous, no, not one. So he's making this whole argument here, and we get to verse 13, and as we read this verse 13 uh, down through verse 18, we can read that and think to ourselves, oh, yuck, right? And we can read that and think, obviously, he's talking about all those bad people out there. But is that true? He's talking about us. He's talking about us. And I want you to, I, I, I'm not going to take time to just really go through it with a fine-tooth comb, but if you will, let's just look at, does, have you ever known any Christians, and even better, have you yourself ever done these things since you've been saved? It says their throat is like an open sepulchre. That's a real ugly way of saying it. But you know what that's saying? Your mouth uh, uh, spews forth rotten things. You ever seen any Christians do that? Have you ever done that? Right? 
It says uh, that, uh, that their tongue is used for deceit. Is there anybody here that's ever not been honest? You know, we're not honest all the time. We're not honest all the time. And, and some Christians would say, well, I would never lie. I might make the story tilt the way I want it to. I might exaggerate it a little bit. I might lead people on. I might say it in a way they get what I want. But I would never lie. That's deceit. That's deceit. That's, that's making people think something is not true. It's deceit. And Christians do it all the time. It says in verse 14 that their, their mouth is full of cursing. You say, well, I would never cuss. But have you ever really just run somebody down? Is there really a difference? No. Do Christians do that? All the time, right? Bitterness. Boy, we don't have time to preach on that. But can I just say, have you ever known any Christians that were bitter? Have you ever been bitter? Have you ever been bitter? So what I'm trying to paint, Paul's painting a picture and we read it and we think, Paul, that is awful. But that's us. That's who we are. There, I don't think there's one person here who can say, since I've been a Christian, I've never been bitter towards someone else in church. And probably most of you can't say I've been bitter in the last couple of weeks. So it, it is us. We're looking in the mirror here. It says their feet are swift to shed blood. I hope we don't have any murderers in the church. But Jesus said, if you hate your brother, you've committed a murder already. Have we done that? Sure we have. And then it says that destruction and misery are in their ways. <laughs> Do we have any miserable Christians? Do we have any miserable Christians? How many of you have been miserable? Things are so bad I can't keep my head up. See, this is describing us. This is looking in the mirror. And, I, and verse number 17 is so powerful. The way of peace they have not known. The fruit of the Spirit is peace. Do you know we're supposed to live with peace all of the time? All, when it's good, when it's bad, when, it's, when we don't feel good, when we do feel good. All the time we're supposed to have peace. Would you say that in your life the Christians you have known have displayed peace? <laughs> I mean, no matter what comes, they just have peace. They just have a calm. That, that's not really what we're known for. Most of the time we're either woe is me or I'm mad whoever made, me, made things this way for me. So the way of peace, we're not known for that. And then look at verse 18. It says, and there is no fear of God. And we could preach a whole message on that, but aren't we missing the fear of God? We just don't fear God like we should. So putting it all together, all three chapters, all of us, then Paul goes on to say that the law was given, not that we might live by it or be justified by it, but the law was given plainly, and there's really no way you can interpret the Bible any way accurately, but to say the law, the word of God was given to condemn us. It was not given to say, if you can do this, you can meet God's standard. It was showing us we can't do it, and we can't meet God's standard. So the, God, the law judges us as guilty, and aren't you glad it didn't stop in verse 20? Aren't you glad? It I mean, if it stopped in verse 20, it just says we're all guilty. And the story, close up the book and die and go to hell. But thankfully, it goes on to say that there is a righteousness which comes by faith in Jesus Christ. Aren't you glad for that? Aren't you glad it isn't about how good you are, but it's about how good he is? Aren't you glad of that? And aren't you thankful for grace? So we wrap the whole thing up, and the, really the, the gospel in a nutshell, and the, the teaching of the book of Romans, 
is this. Every person born since Adam is sinful. And they're guilty. And they will die and go to hell without Jesus Christ. But in Jesus Christ, they are righteous and they can go to heaven. Can we just stop and shout hallelujah? Is anybody glad that you get to go to heaven because of Jesus? Is anybody glad that it isn't about you? And, and, and it is a false perception to think that it is about you. And as much as that's been preached in this church, and as much as we have went over and over and over, uh, if you haven't got it now, I don't know that you're ever going to get it, okay? Uh, so, so we understand that it isn't, it isn't that. But here, here's the question back on the table. What is a good Christian? Before we go any further, is anybody here who would like to know what a good Christian is? Is anybody like to know what a good Christian is? And more importantly than that, is there anybody here that would like to be a good Christian? Would you like to be a good Christian? Come on, uh, work with, if, you'll, if, you'll, if you'll move a little bit, you won't go to sleep with these, okay? Uh, anybody want to be able to be a good Christian? Anybody say, I want to walk out of here and know how to be a good Christian? Now, looking around the congregation, most of you have been saved for a long time. And I'm not trying to be, I'm not trying to be mean or anything else or ugly. I just, I just, I've been saved for a long time. Okay, a lot of us have been saved for a long time. What if our measuring stick has been wrong? Isn't that a staggering thought? What if you've been in church 30 or 40 years and thinking, I, I'm doing this and this and this and this and this, but did you find out that doesn't make you a good Christian? I've been doing all these things thinking I'm so, I mean, I, get, I come to church four times a week. I put money in the offering. I, I read my Bible. I pray. I do all these things. And you're telling me I'm not a good Christian? How many of you would rather find that out this morning than at the end of time? Right? So we want to talk about how are you a good Christian? What is a good Christian? And Paul clearly, listen, well, you can argue back and forth, you can do what you want, you can, but the Bible is so crystal clear. There, there's just really no way you can read your Bible with an open mind and, and come with any other conclusions, but you cannot be saved by doing good things. Can I get an amen? amen. You cannot be saved by doing good things. You can't climb up that wall. And while that seems to be, uh, you know, the, the mindset of people here, I don't know how we get this twisted in our mind, but we will say we're not saved by works. We'll say that, uh, that it's not about works, but then we'll say if we don't have works, we're not a good Christian. How, how we get those two things, <laughs> how we get those two things twisted, right? So it's either about works or it isn't. In other words, we, we tend to judge, oh, he does this and this and this and this and this and this. He's a good Christian, or she does this and this, or she doesn't do this and this and this, so I know she's not a good Christian. Is anybody following my argument? Am I making any sense? Come on, guys, help me. We are, number one, on your paper, being a good Christian is not good works. It's not. It's not good works. Because... Here's my struggle with good works. Let's, let's, look at it. let's look at this subject right here first. Let's look at standards. Okay? Here's one of my struggles with standards. It's always been my struggle with standards. I've had this conversation with many, many people. Here's my struggle with standards. If I was to get Brother Spike up here and Brother Charles up here and Brother Terry up here, Sister Georgia up here, and you know, get five or six of you up here that's been in church for a long time, and I'd say, what are your standards? 
And Brother Spike will say, well, you got to do this and this and this and this. And Brother Charles will say, we got to do this and this and this. And George will say, you got to do this and this and this. And we have all these standards. you got to dress this way. Your hair's got to be this long. can't have hair on your face. you you know, got all these different standards. You've got to wear a long sleeve. can't play cards. can't go. have all these different things. Here's my problem. we got six different lists. Which one we go by? That's, that, it just, now, if you've got an analytical mind, that's a problem because, now, you know, Georgia says if you don't do this, you're not a good Christian. But Spike says if you don't do this, you're not a Christian. And I want to know how to be a Christian, and I don't know which list I'm supposed to follow. And the truth is, none of them are in the Bible, so how do I know? And so you're a good, so Spike says you're a good Christian if you follow his list. And isn't that how church is? And Georgie says, now there's a good Christian because they do my list. And Brother Charles said, there's some good Christians right there because they do my list. But can I tell you, that's not in the Bible. But that's how we judge if you're a good Christian. If you have strong beliefs on this and this and this and this, you have to do these things to be a good Christian, you will look around at other people in church and you will judge them according to your list. They are good because they agree with you or they are bad because they disagree. Can anybody help me this morning? That's how we have church. But that's not what the Bible says. That's not what the Bible says. And so, what is a good Christian? What is, so let's look at the Bible. Here's another So you say, well, I don't care about standards. Or maybe you say standards is everything to me. But let's look at the Bible. So, so let's, look at, uh, let's look at what the Bible says. So we're not going to worry about standards right now. We're still looking at works. You can't be saved by good works. Now, is this not how church works? We, again, we'll get Brother Spike and Brother Charles and Georgie and you know, five or six of you up here, Brother Terry, and we'll have all of you up here. And here's how it works. Well, you know, if you lie, you're not going to heaven. Right? Well, you know, if you cuss, you're not going to heaven. Well, you know, and we, we have this here thing. But here's the funny thing about it. I, I tell you, having an analytical mind is sometimes a curse. Some of you just look at this and don't even see it. But, but here's the curse. I've been in church long enough to know. Now we're not talking about standards. Now we're talking about black and white, what the Word of God says. So obviously, if you tell a lie, you're not a Christian. But I mean, if you hold a grudge, we're good with that, right? It ain't on my list. It's in the Bible. It's in the Bible. But it ain't on my list. If you get your feelings hurt, pout around, won't speak to anybody for three weeks, hey, that's not on my list. But if you commit adultery, by God, you're going to hell. See? We don't even keep the Bible. What I'm saying is we're kind of hypocritical because we're judging. Now we're going to say, well, I'm going to go by the Bible, but we're judging the Bible to judge other people being good Christians by our part of the Bible. But Paul says here, if you don't keep every last word in it, you're guilty. And what I'm saying is I've not seen any Christians do that. Can I, I love you guys. I think you guys are great. This is not a beating you up message. This is, I'm trying to open your eyes. But I've not seen any of you guys that live up to this. Some of you are very strong on your sin. They don't come to church like they're supposed to. I know they're not right with God. But other sins, you, you commit plain sight. Don't even hide it. Right? Am I, am I, am I making sense to anybody? Does anybody help me here? Is this making sense? So by works, that can't be the way to be a good Christian. Now, I, I don't, I don't ha if I have to repeat this, you have not been listening. You're, you're brain dead, okay? Do we have good works if we're a Christian? Absolutely, the Bible teaches that. But we're not saved by good works. And we're not a good Christian by good works, okay? So, so it can't be by good works. And I, I could keep beating that dead horse for a while, but I think you get the idea. 
But number two, Brother Terry, you stirred my heart Wednesday. Actually, you kind of uh, kept me thinking forever since Wednesday. I've been thinking about this. Uh, but I want, I want you to think about this. Being a good Christian is not grace cover sin. Right? But Terry said Wednesday that we, 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 now we want to live in a way where it just says, well, grace will cover it. Grace will cover it. So, so, we, so here's kind of how my brain breaks it down. We have those who don't really understand the Bible and aren't going by the Bible, and they say, well, I'm going to be good by doing good works. That's not biblical, and that's not right, but that's how they live. We have this other group over here that says, I know what the Bible says. I've studied it. I have great knowledge of it. It says we are saved by grace. I'll do the best I can, but if I lust a little, lie a little, do this or do that, I know grace will cover it. Right? Is that a good Christian? That is not a good Christian. That's a very bad Christian. What I'm trying to show you is we have, we have, this, we have the group who says, uh, you know, you got to keep my list. And then you have the other group that just says, hey, we're doing the best we can, but we're, we're a bunch of sinners. If we do a lot of things wrong, God's just going to cover it with grace. But you know, the Bible doesn't teach that. The Bible doesn't teach that. Right? But now let's just stop right here in message. Are you guys with me? Do we need to stand up and do jumping jacks for a minute? Let's stand up and do some jumping jacks. A few push-ups, we'll get back into this thing, okay? Listen, you guys engage. I need you to get this. So here's the question I want to ask you. You guys, you guys work with me here. Here's the question I want to ask you. If you take all the Christians in the whole wide world, if you take all the Christians in this church, if you take all the Christians that you know, it, I don't know what the percentage is, but would it not be fair to say that, that, that a very high percent, maybe 80, 90 percent of all of the Christians that you know fall into one of those two categories? Is that fair? Almost everybody I've ever known, they're either, it's all how you work, it's all how you live, it's all how you live, it's all how, or then there's other ones, oh, I know the Bible, we live by grace, right? And both of those are not good Christians. They're not good Christians. You can't work your way there, and you can't sin your way there. <laughs> is that fair? You can't just keep sinning and say grace is going to cover it, and you can't think you're going to be good enough that God's going to accept you. And you can't judge other people if they're living by your list, and you can't go over here and say, oh, sissy, if you, if you did some sin, God's grace will cover it. No, that's not a good Christian. Are you guys with me? Okay, thank you. All right, so what's the answer? What is the answer? Because Paul's making a real clear argument here. I mean, we can read, so, so here's the thing. I want you to get this. You might be surprised that Gary would say this, but I want you to get this. You can study your Bible and understand clearly if you'd put a little time and effort into it, you can study just what we read this morning. You could study, and you can come up with the conclusion man is not good, man is sinful, and the only way to heaven is faith in Jesus Christ. Is that, is that true? Is that good doctrine? Is that what the Bible says? Sure, that, that's good doctrine. But here's what I want you to get, and this is what God's really been working on. This is what God's been convicting me over, and I just want to preach right now. We can get it in our head, and we don't have it in our heart. And that's not a good Christian. You know, anybody that knows me knows that I believe in studying the Bible. I believe in knowing the Bible. I believe it's important to know the Bible. But here's, here's a newsflash for you. You can know your Bible. You can be a great theologian and not be a good Christian. 
You can know the doctrine down pat. You can know how to get to heaven. You can know all things. You can tell everyone else how the Bible says and not be a good Christian. Can I get an amen? It is not by works and it is not by knowledge and it is not by being a theologian. That is not what makes you a good Christian. And you can do all of those things and still be a bad Christian. And I've been around long enough to know I've seen people that would never step into church without wearing a certain clothes. And, and they do this and they do that and they have all these high standards. But they are mean and they are ugly and they are bitter. Listen, that is not a good Christian. Amen? It's not a good Christian. So what is a good Christian, people? What, what is a good Christian? And I really think this is the teaching of the Word of God. And, and, and I love you guys. I love you guys all my heart. God knows I do. I think we have a fantastic church. And I think that this message would be good for the entire country to hear. But I really think we've kind of missed what the Bible says. Some people just haven't even read the Bible. Some people have read it so much to figure out that it's all about Jesus and it doesn't matter about me. But here's what the Bible really teaches. If you really want to really know what the Bible says and really want to know what being a good Christian is, anybody want to know what being a good Christian is? It's loving Jesus. It's just, it's just loving Jesus. See, if I come to Jesus and I understand, and me and Jesus are talking, and I understand the fact that, Lord, no matter how hard I try, no matter what I do, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sin. Okay? We, we understand that. And I understand that I deserve to go to hell and that I am wretched and that after I've been saved, I'm still going to fail him drastically. And you've heard that so much here, you surely know that now. All of us are going to let God down. But I love him. I love him with all of my heart. And I can't bear the thought of hurting my Lord. Does anybody see how that is far different than I have a list that I'm going to live by? Or I'm going to, grace is going to cover it. Oh, me and Jesus got this thing worked out. He died on the cross for me. He paid for all my sins. He knows I'm not perfect. And if I sin all the time, he's good with it because grace will cover it. Not what the Bible says. Not what the Bible says. Well, I know he died on the cross, but he still expects me to live up to everything he says. But you're not. <laughs> but you're not. <laughs> so, so. I don't know what I have to, we talked Wednesday night, Wednesday night was really, really good for me. I went home and I just couldn't get that off my mind, but we talked about how we can't see our own sins and how, you know, we, we just don't see ourselves. And I get up here, I feel like every Sunday I tell you guys that, you know, we all sin. And I feel like some of you still go out there and say, well, I, they probably all do, but I don't, right? But can I just say I'm your pastor? You guys all, you guys sin, right? You guys all sin. Listen, I sin, everybody sins. There, there's, you know, everybody sins, Okay? But loving Jesus changes everything. It changes everything. And now it is a relationship, and now it is your heart, and now it is not a list of do's and don'ts, and now it is not something somebody else did that is uh, outside of you, but now it is in your heart. Brother Vernon used to say, I, don't, I know he's not original, I don't know who first started saying this, but but have you ever heard someone say, a lot of people are going to miss heaven by 18 inches? They got it up here, but they never got it down here. But you know, the same thing is true about being a good Christian. 
There's a lot of people there. There's, I think we're learning a lot in church. I think we're coming to church. I think a lot of you are really studying. I think a lot of you are really understanding what the Bible says. And praise God, I think we have an understanding of biblical truths in this church. But do you know you can have a really strong uh, knowledge of the Bible and still not have it in your heart? God really started to deal with me on this. And I really started thinking about it in my own life. I know that I know that I know that I know what the gospel teaches. I know that I am rotten and no good. Oh, wretched man that I am. I know that's me. I know that I will only go to heaven because of Jesus Christ. And I know that it is by his dying on the cross that paid for my sins is the only reason I get to go to heaven. I know that. And I know that when I do wrong, his grace does cover it. But he began to speak to me and he began to say, do you really think about everything you do before you do it and how it will affect me? Do I need to say that again? Do you think about everything you do before you do it and how it will affect Jesus? Because that changes everything. That, that changes everything. If you to list, uh, that one's not on my list. Yeah, I can do that one. Right? Or, hey, I got grace. I slide that one by. But if you love Jesus, you're not here to see how much sin you can get by with. If you love Jesus, you're not here to, to, uh, to, to try to get by with something. If you love Jesus, when you're at home and the pastor would never know and your husband and wife would never know and no one would ever find out, you still don't want to hurt your Jesus. And that changes everything. Amen? That changes everything. Is anybody here, anybody here, anybody here loves Jesus? Anybody here that really, really loves Jesus? Now that is so easy to say with our lips, but are you living like you really love Jesus? The things that come in your eyes, the things that come out of your mouth, the thoughts that go through your head, the attitudes that you carry, the thoughts you have about your brothers and sisters, uh, the, the words that you say to other people. Do you put every one of them and say, Lord, will this please you or will this hurt you? So, Brother Charles, you should stop sitting on the front row because I pick on you all the time, buddy. Brother Charles makes me mad. I mean, he, he ticks me off. And I look at my list and I say, well, that one's not on there. I can be mad at him. Right? And I'm just going to stub up and not speak to him and pout around and let everybody know I hate his guts. Right? I mean, I'll get over eventually. We'll get back together. But for a while, that's what I'm going to do. Or I look at this and say, Brother Charles made me mad. I'm going to be mad. I know it's wrong. But I got grace. I got grace. I got grace. God's going to take care of this. Or I could look at it and say, no matter what Brother Charles does to me, I don't want to hurt my Jesus. I don't want to hurt my Jesus. If I react to Brother Charles sinfully, it isn't about getting back at Brother Charles. It's about hurting my Lord. And I love him too much to do that. And I need to preach that about ten more times for some of you because I don't think it quite sunk in. Is there a reason that is worth hurting your Lord. Let that sink in. Let that sink in. Can, can I do something so bad that is worth you chucking out your Christianity and, and displeasing Jesus? 
Because that really proves how much of a good Christian you are. It's not by how much of the good you do and how much, because I can find sin in your life. It's not by if grace covers it, but it is by where is your heart? How much do you love Jesus? I had a little, I, I didn't tell Renee about this. I didn't have any, I didn't tell anybody about this. You guys will get a good laugh out of this. If you're going to sleep, this will wake up. This is totally carnal. Not anything spiritual about this, but I want to tell you, it's kind of, it'll just amuse you guys. I'm going through Castellia the other day. Um, I'm just driving down. They're own, minding my own business. I'm going to get my grandkids some ice cream. I'm driving down 269, and there is this woman right up my hind end. I thought she was going to be in the back seat. And she follows me all the way there. She gets down to the thing, and she pointed her finger at me, and it wasn't this one. <laughs> it wasn't this one. I'll be honest with you. I thought, was, I'm going to chase her down. I'm going to pull her off the road. She's a little tiny girl, and I'm going to, who do you think? And that thought crossed my mind. And I thought to myself, some of you probably would have done that. But you know what also crossed my mind? Now, I'll be honest, it made me mad. It made me mad. I know none of you ever get mad, but it made me mad. But then I thought, what would Jesus think? There's no room for me to get mad. There's no room for me. I'll be honest, after she left and went the other way and I was driving through there, I was still stewing on it driving in the car. How dare her? Right? I could have dwelled on that the rest of the day and just ruined my evening. But that's not what Jesus wanted. And I let it go. Josh loves that song from Frozen. Loves. Let's all sing it for him. Let's, let's all sing it for him, okay? That'll wake you up. Let it go. Let it go. But can I tell you, that's good spiritual advice. That's good. Because a lot of you don't know how to let it go. Because you don't love Jesus enough. I need to say that again. You're too busy laughing at me. Listen, you don't know how to let it go because you don't love Jesus enough. Look, look right here. Now I'm going to get straight with you. You can't be mad for two or three weeks and say you love Jesus. Look right here at me. Look right here at me. You can't get mad for two or three weeks and say you love Jesus. You don't love Jesus. I'm not saying you don't love him a little bit. You don't love him a lot. Now listen to me. I've been married to Renee for a long time, okay? I, I, I said this before and got in trouble. You guys make fun of me all the time. But the way I love her now makes it seem like the way I loved her at the beginning, like I didn't even love her then, because I love her so much more now. Now, if you'd have asked me the day we got married, I would have told you I love Renee, and that would have been the truth. Truth is, it was kind of a selfish love. I wanted to get what I could get out of the deal. I, I wanted the marriage to fulfill my needs. And, you know, I didn't really care a whole lot about Renee. As it has went on, I would today rather make Renee happy than to make Gary happy. Do we see the difference? That's the way it is with Jesus. Every one of you almost here jumped on board when I said, do you love Jesus? But you can't do things Jesus doesn't like and truly love him. Well, I, it's okay because they're wrong what they did. Listen, it doesn't matter what Brother Charles does. He can punch me in the face. He, he can flirt with my wife. He, he can do whatever he wants. That, that does not change Jesus. If he's dead wrong, Jesus is still my Lord. Are you guys getting that? Well, I'm justified. The way I'm, the way I'm acting, I'm justified because of what's... No, that doesn't work. You don't justify your wrong because someone else is wrong. Is this sinking in at all with you guys? We, and we can just go on and on and on. How much... Do you love Jesus? This is a good illustration because of, the, because of apparently the way everybody's feeling today. 
Anybody here, please don't raise your hand, you'll hurt my feelings. But anybody here ever thought on Sunday night, I'm just tired and I want to stay home? I know you good Christians would never have that thought. But is there anybody here that ever thought, I'm just tired and I want to stay home? Has any of you good Christians here thought, I've had enough, I don't really want to go back anyway? Listen, it isn't about keeping a list of rules. It isn't about you have to be in church three times a week. It isn't about any of that. You know what it is about? I love Jesus. And I love Jesus more than I love laying on the couch. The truth is, there isn't any of us. There, there isn't one person here that comes Sunday night isn't tired and really feels like staying home. And you guys have been really faithful. I'm not beating you up. You guys have been really faithful. Most everyone comes Sunday night. This isn't a beating you up. I'm just, I'm just making a point. Isn't it easy to make excuses to let Jesus down? But when we think it isn't about how I feel, it is about I love Jesus. That changes everything. Amen? Not only do you feel like staying home on Sunday night, but how many of you ever come to church on Sunday or Sunday morning or anytime? Wednesday, it's been a long day. I believe I worked 12 hours Wednesday, got up about 2 o'clock. It was a long day for me to come out here. How many of you ever come to church and said, I'm just not in the mood to worship? I don't want to sing. I don't want to testify. I don't want to raise my hand. I don't want to shout hallelujah. I want him to hurry up and get it over with so I can go home. Now, that's what we feel. But if you love Jesus, you got to say, this flesh, Josh taught us this in Sunday school, this flesh has got to go. Listen, there's been a whole lot of times I didn't feel like worshiping, but I felt like worshiping. Does anybody understand that? I didn't feel like worshiping, but I felt like worshiping. I believe Paul said something like, my inner man uh, 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 is, is thriving, but my outer man, <laughs> it's a bad shape, right? Can we all relate to that? But is it worth it to say, I'm going to do what pleases Jesus no matter what? So here's, here's I'll, I'll, try to, I'll try to bring this thing in for landing. I want you to think about, and I really need you guys to get this, because this is really what's been on my heart all week long. I want you to think about how easy it is to backslide. Has anybody ever thought about how easy it is to backslide? Now let me, let's define backsliding. We're not talking about you go back out in the world and you... you you know, do all kinds of evil, wicked. That's not what we're talking about. I am talking about, you know, you can come to church all three services, read your Bible, and backslide sitting in the house of God. We do it all the time. Truth be known, how many of you are backslidden right now this morning? Right? All backsliding means is I used to be up there, and now I'm back here. I don't love Jesus as much as I did before. I'm not as on fire for him. I'm not as excited about the things of the Lord. Can I tell you, that can happen on a weekly basis. It happens all the time. But as I look around, and as I look at different Christians, as I talk to different Christians, I know that inside this church and in my own heart, I realize how easy it is to backslide. How easy it is to say, I'm just not excited about going to church. I'm just not excited about worshiping God. I'm just not excited about being my brothers and sisters. I don't want to give my time to go over there and work all the time. I, do, I, I, I just, I don't want to do those things. And you guys can sit there and act like that's not true, but I know there's nobody here that that does not apply to. If you're human, you get tired. If you're human, things get to you. And how easy it is to say, I'm just going to back off from what I was doing. Here's the thing, people. I had someone make this comment to me. It absolutely broke my heart. I haven't been able to get it out of my head. I had this person make this comment to me. They said, I just don't have the passion that I used to have. And this is what they said to me. 
and I don't know how to get it back. I want that to sink in with you guys. I don't have the passion that I used to have, and I don't know how to get it back. Can that happen to any of us? What if you've been saved 40 years? Doesn't that make that, doesn't it count to you? No. What if you're the pastor of the church? Doesn't that make you, doesn't happen to you? Listen, it doesn't matter who you are. Everybody here is susceptible to getting to a place where I just don't care as much. If we was asked for a raise of hands and we had all honest people here this morning, if we'd asked you to raise your hand, how many of you, you know, how many of you have, have been to that place you just didn't want to go to church? How many have been to that place you weren't excited about going to church? How many of you just went to church out of just going through the motions? How many of you went to church and just, just drudged through it? Every one of us have to raise our hands. It's easy to do. Do you know the only remedy I know? Listen, I can preach, I can preach how you're supposed to live, and I can preach a list of do's and don'ts. I can do all those things to you, and you can try and toe the line, you do it, and you will still backslide. I can preach to you that we are saved by grace, by the blood of Jesus Christ, and that's going to get you to heaven. And praise God, we just shout hallelujah for Jesus. But you can still backslide. But you know, you can't backslide if you really, really love Jesus. Because he's everything. Listen, I get discouraged sometimes at church. You know, people don't come. Things happen. People get mad. I, I get discouraged. I, I get discouraged by things I see. I, I watch the news. I get discouraged. I, I wonder all the time. I got done this morning. I said, Lord, thank you that we can come to church. We have freedom. I don't, I'm not worried about getting arrested. Not worried about being persecuted. Not worried about their coming here and finding us. But you know, that day could come. And, and, and a lot of things could happen. A lot of uncertainties in the future. But here's what's not uncertain. I love Jesus. If I can't gather in this church with you guys, I still love Jesus. If they put me in jail and I don't have any of you guys, I still love Jesus. Is you guys getting this? You can't lose that. But I can lose my list. I, I can lose, uh, I'm living by grace. But I can't lose, I love Jesus. And in every situation, all I've got to think about is Jesus. I see that pretty girl walking down the street with hardly any clothes on. What would Jesus think? What does Jesus want me to do right now? I, I'm, I'm in a situation where someone makes me mad. What does Jesus want me to do? I, I'm, uh, we can illustrate it in a thousand different ways, but you guys get the point. There are all kinds of things that come at us every day, but if I love Jesus, I'm going to choose to please him. Does that make sense? And so this morning, I want you guys to evaluate yourself. I, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, look around, I don't think, I don't think that I don't think we have bad Christians. I, I think that you guys are great people. I really, really do. And you say, well, it doesn't sound like we were preaching. I do think you're like Christians, great Christians. But I think that some of, many of you have a wrong attitude of what it takes to make God happy. Listen, you're never going to please God by being good enough. You're not going to please God by being good enough. And you bring me your list of all things you know you can't do, and I can put 10 on there that you ain't even thought about, that you probably do all the time. So you're in trouble now. But are we, are we evaluating our Christianity on a scale that God says, I'm not even interested in that scale. I'm interested in it. Do you love me? We pray that this message has stirred your soul as you continue on for Christ. If you've been blessed by this sermon, we encourage you to share this podcast with others that we may together embolden each other for the kingdom cause. To listen to Sandhill Sermons live, you can join us Sundays at 11 o'clock on Facebook and YouTube can also find additional content such as our Steadfast Studies podcast or the NOYC Godcast for Youth provided by Sandhill for spiritual growth of all ages. These can be found at sandhillfwb.com or on all major podcast platforms. May God continue to richly bless your journey every step of the way.